Okay, we're going to start without uh, singing. Uh, Aquila sang this a little bit ago. You guys missed that, so sorry about that. But if, today, if you would, if you open your Bible up to the book of Genesis chapter 22, we're going to be starting there in just a minute. Before we do so, had a, some friends of ours stop by this morning. Uh, they were in town, so they came to our church this morning. So we have the two visitors physically with us. So I'm going to ask whether Jim Jeremiah's uh, to come and open open up as a word of prayer. Then we'll get going here in just a minute. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask your blessing and protection on the country of Zambia and uh, Zambian people. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, just uh, get rid of this virus and, and uh, make it possible uh, for uh, uh, the people to get back to a normal lifestyle again. And Father, we're just thankful that uh, we do have this uh, technology that we can meet and we can worship. Uh, and uh, Lord, we just pray that uh, you would bless our service today. Uh, Lord, would you give Brother John just the power and the wisdom uh, and uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God as he preaches today. Uh, Lord, would you feed our souls, draw us close to the Savior, uh, and may we leave uh, different than, uh, than uh, uh, we did when, uh, when we, before we heard the message. And so, Lord, I ask your blessing on the service, and Lord, use it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so again, our Facebook Live, uh, I don't know what happened, it messed up. Uh, I think it'll be better than Zoom, at least to go more than 40 minutes. So we're going to try this uh, next, this week and next week, see how this goes uh, uh, for our services. I'm praying that we'll be able to get back meeting physically as soon as we can. Uh, we do want to uh, uh, mention before we get into our message uh, today that you can still uh, give uh, your tithes and offerings to the church. You can do it through MTN Mobile Money. My number is 0968879801. So if you want to send your tithes and offering in, into that number, then send me a message. If so much is for missions, so much is for tithe, let me know which way to divide that, and I'll uh, keep records with that. Uh, if you want to do that way, uh, be able to give your offering, uh, even though we're not physically meeting. So today we're in uh, Genesis chapter 22. We're going to get back to uh, our series, a series on the faith of Abraham. We started this several weeks ago, took a few weeks off uh, for Easter service and things like that. But we're going to get back in our series uh, on the faith of Abraham. You know, the Bible says we're saved by faith, number one. But as Christians, we're also we're to live by faith. And if we're going to live by faith, we, we need some examples in the Bible that we can look to for, uh, of men and women who live by faith. Now, these men and women in the Bible, including Abraham, Abraham was not a perfect, uh, perfect person by no means. Abraham made some big mistakes uh, throughout his lifetime. But the thing about Abraham, the thing about David, think about these men of faith, when you look, study these men and some, some women as well in the Bible who, who uh, uh, served God by faith, even though sometimes they made mistakes and big mistakes, but they were quick to repent, quick to get back uh, in a right relationship with God and, and continue on their life. So we started this series, we're on uh, the eighth message in our series, 
So just as a way of review before we get into our message today, we've, we've already seen seven messages about the faith of Abraham. We begin in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, where the Bible says that Abraham staggered not through unbelief. Abraham did not uh, live his life wondering, did God say this? Did God say that? Did God mean this? No, Abraham heard God and believed God by faith and, and served God by faith. So the first message was that, was the, was the father of faith, Abraham. Then we went into Genesis chapter 12 where God called Abraham to leave his father and mother and his land and go to a place he would show him. So that is obedient faith. And then we went into Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 13 where God uh, brought a test in Abraham's life. So we, we titled that Testing Faith. Then we went into Genesis chapter 15 and we looked at faith in the midst of fear. You know, we're living today fearing things, fearing coronavirus. We fear things from time to time. But as believers, even though we live in trouble sometimes, we don't have to worry about fearing death, fearing whatever may come our way. We can have faith in the midst of fear. Then we went to chapter 16, and we saw faith that failed to wait. Faith that did not wait on God. And then we went into chapter 19. We looked at really Lot there, but we looked at chapter 19 and we saw wasted faith. Lot, even though we know by the New Testament, Lot was a believer, but Lot's life was a waste. Nothing after Lot passed on, nothing he left behind mounted to anything for the, cause of, uh, for the cause of God. So we wasted faith. And then the last we looked at was Genesis chapter 21. And that was the, the mountaintop and the valley of faith. And really that mountaintop and valley, that's our life. It's good to be on top of the mountain. We, we don't live on top of the mountain. We live in the valleys more than we live in the mountains. We looked at mountaintop and valley of faith. So today, we're going to look at chapter 22. A very famous chapter, one of the most famous chapters in all the Word of God, particularly in the Old, Old Testament, of course. So today we're going to look at faith in the midst of a crisis. Faith in the midst of a crisis. In chapter 22 of Genesis records for us the greatest test that Abraham would ever face. It's a beautiful picture of the sacrificial death of Christ. But the primary lesson from this chapter is God will test his servants from time to time. We're all going to face tests. Some tests are harder than other tests. But we're all going to face these tests. And the thing of it is, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. If you go through problems in life and you cannot rely on your faith, your faith in Christ, your faith in God, then that's a, te- that's, a, that's a test that cannot be trusted. And believe me, as a believer, our faith should be able to be tested. And at the end of that test, we should come out better than we did going into that test. So today, we're going to learn several things today from the testing of Abraham. We'll go through this chapter a few verses at a time. So first of all, the first thing we're going to learn here is expect 
trials from God. Mark it down. You are going to have trials in your life. Expect them. It begins in chapter 22, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So God told Abraham, Take your son, your only son. Take him to a place I'm going to show you, and offer him there for a burnt offering. Now in Abraham's day, the heathen that Abraham lived among, and even with a place Abraham came from, Ur of the Chaldees, it was common for people to offer other people as burnt sacrifice. It was a common thing. I'm not saying it was a good thing that happened, but it was a practice in Abraham's day. And know that Abraham may have seen these things happen from time to time. Abraham heard about these things from time to time. So God told Abraham, take your son. Now, when I was teaching through Genesis a few years back, when I was teaching through this uh, passage, we found out that Abraham, when we looked at this passage, we read it and we think about Abraham and Isaac, about Isaac being a young boy, maybe four, five, six years old. That's not the case. Isaac was a young man. He was at least 18 or 20 years old at this time. Abraham was about 120 years old. Abraham was elderly at this time. Isaac was in the prime of his life. So when we read this passage, we think about this. We look at it as Isaac being a young child that had no say in the matter. Isaac could have said to his father, once he found out what was going on, I'm not going to do that. But he didn't. Isaac submitted to his father. But anyway, expect trials from God. Now note some of the tests that Abraham already went through. We mentioned some of these things in our previous introduction. But here's some tests Abraham had already faced. Because generally, God will bring a big test to a person's life. Usually after he's faced other tests and came through those tests in a good way. God will bring another test. So we saw, first of all, we had this family test. God said, Abraham, leave your family. Go to a place I will show you. That was the first test. Then there was the famine test. A famine came into the land after, after Abraham came to the land of Canaan. There was a famine and Abraham went down to Egypt. He failed that test, but he had the test. And then there was a fellowship test between Abraham and his nephew Lot, where Abraham told Lot, you choose where you want to go, and I'll take what you don't want. Lot looked and saw the well-watered plains, and Lot said, that's a good place for cattle. That's where I'm going to go. So they had to split ways. that They parted fellowship over their wealth. So there was a fellowship test. Then there was a fighting test. When Abraham fought, some kings and brought back Lot. There was that fight. Then there was a fortune test where the king of Sodom offered Abraham a lot of money. Abraham said, I don't want you, but you keep your money. I don't want it. There was that test. Then there was a fatherhood test where Sarah came to Abraham. Here, take my handmaid. 
have a child by her. She'll, she'll give us a child through her. That was a fatherhood test. It wasn't a good plan, but it was a test. Then there was a farewell test. Isaac came along. Sarah said, take the bondwoman, her son, and kick that bondwoman out. She has nothing to do with my son. God told Abraham, do what your wife said. Abraham had to part ways with his son, Ishmael. That was a hard test because that was Abraham's son. There was that test. But some tests Abraham passed, some tests he failed, much like you and I. We go through problems time to time. Some of those tests we pass, some of those tests we fail miserably. But life is more than a trial you might be facing right now. Life is a sum total of all we do serving God. You may be in the midst of a big test in your life right now. And hopefully you'll pass that test. But even if you don't, that's not the end. One failure does not mean your, your, your service for God is over. You can get up past that test and go on. Now, the thing of it is, not every test that comes into our life is from God. Not every temptation we face, not every test we face comes directly from God. Now, God allows these things to happen. Understand that. But look at what's going on in the world today. The world is facing, they tell us, one of the greatest crises, potential crises we've ever faced as a, as a people. I don't know if that's true or not. That's what they tell us. That's what the experts tell us. But this COVID-19, people think, you know, well, why did God bring this on society? That's, people ask that question. Why did God do this? People think, well, God looked at the wickedness of man and God sent this virus to punish us. Some people look at it that way. I think they're totally wrong. God's already punished sin. He punished sin on the cross. Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. So God did not send COVID-19 to punish the sins of mankind. Other people say, well, you know, this, this thing is from the devil. All disease, everything, everything bad happens to us, it's really from Satan. And by, if people look at that that way and believe that that way, what they're saying is, it's all the devil's fault. It's not my fault, it's Satan's fault. I don't think this is from Satan either. I don't think Satan has the power to do those types of things. But one thing I do know, whether it's COVID-19 or malaria or whatever else you might face uh, physically in your life, these things are a result of the fall of mankind. That's where they came from. It's a result of the fall. Sin not only affected Adam and Eve, but sin affected the whole world. Because of that, disease and sickness coming into the world, that's the cause of it. But when we're coming back to tests in our lives on an individual basis, sometimes we get ourselves into situations because we made wrong choices. I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes. Often through disobedience, we find ourselves in a mess and these tests come along. So how do we deal with the circumstances in our lives? 
Well, the Bible tells us in James chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord had promised them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot tempt any, cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. And when lust hath conceded, bringeth forth sin, and sin when it's finished, bringeth forth death, do not err, my beloved brethren. See, God does not tempt us to do evil. God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither does God tempt us to do evil. He doesn't do that. Temptations come our way because of the desires within our own flesh. The Bible tells us that. James again says in James 1 verses 1 through 6. He says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind, and tossed. You see, all of us as believers face similar temptations. But not all experience the same kind of trials of faith from God. We face trials differently than someone else might face trials. But the thing of it is, in our life as a believer, we can expect trials from God. Not temptations. He cannot tempt us with evil. But God can send trials into our lives. So that's the thing we can learn from Abraham. Number two, verses three through five, we need to focus on promises, not explanations. Focus on the promises from God, not asking God to explain why he's doing these things. Look at verse three through five. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two young, uh, his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clayed the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went into the place uh, of which God told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now listen to what verse 5 says. And Abraham said unto the young men, Abide ye here with the ass, And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. So do you stay here and guard the the, the donkey? Me and my son are going to go to that place where God told us to go. We're going to come back. He said, me and my son's going to come back. Now what did God tell Abraham? Sacrifice your son. That's what he told him. How can he sacrifice his son and come back with his son? You see, Abraham did not focus on an explanation from God. Abraham simply focused on what God promised him. And we're going to see what God promised him in a little bit. Now, look, number one, look at a definition of a test of faith. This is one, one definition of a test of faith. 
A test of faith is when God asks us to bear what seems unbearable. To do what seems unreasonable. And to expect what seems impossible. That's what a test of faith is. In other words, God says, do what I tell you to do. Do what I promise I will do for you. We're to focus on the promise of God, not focus on why this happened to me. Whether it's Joseph in prison, Moses in Israel, in Israel at the Red Sea, David in the cave, Abraham on Mount Moriah, or Daniel in the lion's den, the lesson of these men learned was the same. And this is a lesson. We're to live by the promise God promises us, not by an explanation. God does not owe us an explanation. God expects us to live by faith. That's what God expects. Faith is believing what God said. Consider how unreasonable God's request was to Abraham. If we think about asking God, why did this, did, did, why did it happen to me? Abraham could have, could have said that. He didn't, but he could have. Abraham could have said to God, why do you want me to sacrifice my son? Never asked that question. He could have asked that question. He may have even thought that question, but he never asked it. So, Consider how unreasonable we might think this should have been to Abraham. Isaac was Abraham's only son. Now wait a minute. Didn't he have another son? Yeah, he had Ishmael. But Ishmael was not the son of promise. He was the son of the flesh. Isaac was the son of promise. And God said, this is your only son. Your only son of promise. This is him. This is Isaac. So he was his only son. He was the future of the covenant God gave Abraham. I'm going to give this land to you and to your son. To your, to your children is what he said. So he was the future of the Abrahamic covenant. It, he, Isaac, was the miracle child that God gave Abraham and Sarah in the response to their faith. Abraham simply believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's what the Bible says. Believe God about what? Believe God would give him a son by Sarah. He simply believed that promise. So, oftentimes our first response to trials is this. Why? Why, God, is this happening to me? That's often our first response to a big trial. Why are you doing this to me? You know, God has a purpose in all things. Nothing that comes your way comes by a surprise to God. God has a purpose. Sometimes God's purpose is to purify our faith. Sometimes God's purpose is to perfect our character. Sometimes our, uh, God's purpose is to protect us from sin. 
There's a purpose. Abraham's response was simply obedience. It says, Abraham rose up early in the morning, got his things prepared, took two servants and his son and the wood and all the things for the sacrifice, and he left. Now notice, it never says he told his wife what he was going to do. He may have, I don't think he did. Because I know what, I know what my wife would say if I had told my wife, I'm going to take my daughter and go about uh, 80 miles away and sacrifice her on, on an altar to God. And she would have said, no you're not. <laughs> so I guarantee you, Abraham didn't tell Sarah what was going on. He just got up and left. He immediately did what God told him to do. He knew that God would never contradict his promise to him. He believed that even if God allowed him to slay his son, that God would raise him up from the dead. Now, how do we know that? Because the New Testament tells us so. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter says this, 17 through 19. By faith, by faith, that's important, faith. When he was tried, when Abraham was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, according, 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 accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham knew when he was going up to the mountain. He told his servants, you stay here, I'm going to come back with my son. God said, I'll oh, take him up for an offering for a sacrifice. Abraham believed by faith that if he did what God said, God would raise him from the dead. He believed that. Faith does not demand an explanation. Faith simply rests upon God's promise. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Abraham believed in something he'd never seen, that God raised his son from the dead. That's faith. Abraham believed and obeyed God when he did not know where. God said, just go. When you get there, I'll tell you where it's going to be. Just go. He did not know where. He did not know when. He did not know how. He did not know why. See, all these questions you could have asked, but he didn't. He simply relied on the promise God had made him way back in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to give you a seed, and through that seed is going to come the Messiah. And God told him that seed is Isaac. That's the promised seed. Number three, verses six through 14. Another lesson we can learn from this story is we, we should depend upon God's provision. In the middle of a trial, depend on God providing the things necessary to get through the trial. Look at verse 6 through 14. 
And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and he said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for this burnt offering? Where's the offering, Dad? Look at his answer, verse 8. Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place where, uh, which God told him of. And Abraham built an altar and laid wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the uh, altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And an angel of the Lord called unto him out of, out of heaven and said to Abraham, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said uh, said unto this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We need to depend on God's provision in the midst of trial. Two key thoughts from this passage. Number one, God will provide Himself a lamb for the burnt offering, verse 8. The next thought, verse 14. The thought is Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. In other words, God will see to it. It's done. That's what it means. Jehovah Jireh. In the mountain of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, what or who could Abraham depend upon? He could not depend on his feelings because this was his only begotten son. This is his beloved son Isaac. No doubt his, his emotions was saying I can't do this. He was a human being like you and I. He, he could, his emotions were saying all kinds of red flags going up. I cannot kill my son. So he couldn't depend upon his feelings because his feelings would have led him the wrong way. He could not depend upon other people. Sarah was nowhere to be seen. She was at home. His servants were somewhere down the bottom of the mountain. They were in camp waiting to come back. Abraham was there alone with God. He could depend upon the promise that God would provide an offering. He even told his son that. He said, son, God will take care of the offering. Don't worry about it. Let's just go. Let's just do what God said. God will take care of it. I don't know how, but he'll do it. That's what Abraham could depend upon. When he was faced with this situation that appeared to be hopeless, appeared there was no answer to this question. When we're faced with situations like this, 
What should we think? Well, we should think the same thing Abraham thought. Is there anything too hard for God? And the answer is no. Nothing's too hard for God. No test you may be in right now is too hard for God. God knows the answer. God will provide us. Just depend upon God's promise that God's promised us. God's promised us everlasting life as believers. God's promised lost people they can have a way back to God through through the sacrifice of His Son. That's a promise you can depend upon because God gave us that promise. We can depend upon God's promise. God did provide a sacrifice when it was needed. Isaac said, said, Dad, here's the wood. Here's the fire. Here's the knife to kill the sacrifice. He said, where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, Son, don't worry about it. God will take care of that. God's got it. God knows what's going on. God provided the sacrifice when it was needed. The where was he had to be in a place God told him to be. Take your son. Go to a place I will show you. When you get there, I'll tell you. And then do what I told you to do. So he had to be in the exact same place God told him to be. God chose the place. The where is the place God instructs us to be. See, we have no right to expect God to provide for us if we are not where God expects us to be. If we're out of God's will, we have no right to God, for God to expect to provide for us in the middle of a trial. If we're completely away from God, we have no expectation from God for God to supply what we need or we're not doing what God has already told us to do. So where was exactly where God told him to be? When? When it was needed. He provided a, a sacrifice exactly when it was needed. Isaac had a knife. Hang on a minute. I'll be back. I got my kitchen knife, okay? Abraham had a knife. Isaac was tied up on the altar. And notice Isaac never complained. He nothing. He just he, he willingly laid down, willingly. Type of Christ. Isaac was there, tied up. Abraham had a knife. He raised a knife up, no doubt, to cut the throat of his son. So when did God provide it? Exactly the right time. Right before he stuck the knife into his son, God said, Abraham, that's enough. Now I know. Now I know you love me more than you love your son. Now I know I'm number one. That's what God said. When, just when it was needed. How? How did God supply this? Well, usually God provides for us usually in quite normal ways. Nothing supernatural. They were out in the bush. There was goats and lambs and whatever in the bush all the time. 
naturally goat was there caught in the thicket? Just a natural occurrence. God often supplies things in the most natural way. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down shall men give back into your bosom. So when we give sacrificially, God will give back to us. How does God do it? He doesn't drop money out of the sky. God will give you some overtime. God will give you a job. God will do something. Men will give back to you if we're faithful to do these things. So how? Quite naturally. To whom? To whom does God do these things? Well, God supplies needs in the midst of trials to those who trust and obey what God tells us to do. That's where faith comes in. Why? Why did God do this? Well, God did it for His own glory. God did it to glorify Himself. Number four. The fourth thing we learn from this story is we should look forward to what God has in store for us. In other words, once we get through a trial, look to the future, what God's going to do. Look at verse 15 through 24. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the same as upon the seashore, and thy, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast not has obeyed my voice. So Abraham uh, returned unto his young men, and they rose up, went together to Beersheba, and Abraham built, uh, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. And it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huzz his firstborn, and Buzz his brother, and Camul the, the father of Aram, and Cash, uh, and Hazo, and Pildush, and Jephthah, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah, these eight milked did bear unto Nahor and Abraham's brother, and his concubine, whose name was uh, Ruma, she bare uh, Teba and uh, Jaham and Tishash and Macha, whatever these names are. So God even put in the end of this chapter where Isaac was going to get his wife. We should look forward after a test to what God is going to do. Abraham received a new approval from God. He says, For now I know thou fearest me. And he repeated the Abrahamic covenant. He gave Abraham several times. But now, he received back a new son. 
Isaac was now a living sacrifice. See, that's what God wants. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Give ourselves to God a living sacrifice. He received back a living sacrifice. See, God gave Abraham Isaac. Abraham gave back Isaac back to God only to receive him again. We must always be careful that the gifts God gives us does not replace the giver. See, the gift God gave Abraham was Isaac. But this story proves to us that Abraham did not look upon the gift as bigger than the one who gave him the gift. Now I know you fear me. Now I know you love me even more than your son. So don't take the gifts that God gives us and replace those, replace God with those gifts. God still should be number one. God gave Abraham a new assurance, a reassurance. He repeated to him again the Abrahamic covenant. God had, or Abraham had heard these promises before several times. But now they took on a whole new meaning. Because that son that God promised him, that God told him to go sacrifice, that God provided a substitute for that son, took on a whole new meaning in the mind of Abraham. He was that living sacrifice. Now, along with these new assurances God gave him, also we come across a new name for God. Jehovah Jireh. God will see to it. See, God took care of the need in just the right time, in just the right place, in the middle of the greatest test Abraham would ever face sacrificing his son so some lessons from Abraham's test expect trials from God they're going to come focus on God's promise not expecting God to give us an explanation why this happened to me depend upon God's provision God will provide and look forward to what God has in store once we're through that trial. Look forward to those things. So in this chapter, God sets forth a beautiful picture of Christ in the Old Testament account of Abraham's test of faith. We see Isaac. The obedience of Christ is seen in Isaac. He willingly laid down his life. Isaac did. Christ did. In Abraham, we see the sacrifice of the father to give his only begotten son. Abraham did. God did when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And prophetically, we see the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. That lamb caught in a thicket. That was a substitute for Isaac. Jesus is our substitute. His shed blood is a sacrifice, only sacrifice God accepts. 
in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So today, faith in the midst of a crisis. Number one, don't faith. God's in control. That test you're going through right now, God knows all about it. God has the provision already planned out. If we would just not fail the test, rely on the promises God has promised us. So today, you may be listening today, you're not even a believer. We're saved, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You need to put your faith and trust in Christ. Repent of your sins. Ask Christ to be your Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. And as a believer, tests are going to come. Some tests we're going to like. Some tests we're not going to like. But the thing of it is, God is in control. God know what knows why this test came. God either sent the test or allowed the test in your life to build up your character, to extend your uh, knowledge of what faith is, how to live by faith. Either way, God knows what's going on. God's in control. So even through tests, we can rely on God. Let's pray. Father, once again, we do thank you for the opportunity we had to come uh, to church, even virtually. Pray that you bless those that are listening and those that listen later on. We pray that you would have your will and way in all of our lives. I pray, Lord, even for those who are listening now or will listen later that do not know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, I pray that they might send me a message, you give me a call, whatever, and I can talk to them about their need for salvation. I pray, Lord, for believers, help us, Father, even in the midst of tests, to be like Abraham. Simply believe what God says do what God says because God always knows best. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to end there for today. Hopefully we'll see uh, some of you Wednesday. And uh, next Sunday we'll see you back here again as well.